When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Spectrum Internet has enough speed to handle all your needs. So you can work, game, and stream with speeds up to a gig. Plus, Spectrum's advanced Wi-Fi provides enhanced security for all your connected devices. Get Spectrum Internet with fast and reliable speeds, starting at just $29.99 a month with a two-year price guarantee. Visit spectrum.com slash internet for you for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Restrictions apply. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another new episode of Uni Therapy. I'm Kat, and I am the host. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. So glad you're here. Finally made it here. Before we get into anything, I want to give another shout out because I just can't give enough gratitude to Alex Booth for the intro music he made specially for the podcast. You can find him and all of the cool mixes and songs and things that he does at at Booth Tunes, B-O-O-T-H-T-U-N-E-S. Speaking of finding him, you can find me on Instagram at at cat.defada, and then you can find the podcast at at Therapy Podcast. And also, speaking of the internet, if you guys want to get extra connected to me, I send out a newsletter every Monday that I call the Self-Love Club. So every Monday, I send out this newsletter, and it has a link to the episode that we drop on Mondays, but also it has a special message just from me, and that will only go out to the newsletter. I don't put it on Instagram. I don't put it anywhere else. It just goes to that group of people. We also put sometimes some special discount codes and just messages in there for you guys because if you did not know on our website unitherapypodcast.com we have a store so you can shop all of our merch in that store and sometimes we put those discount codes in the newsletter which I'm assuming we'll do something for the upcoming holiday of Black Friday. So get on it, get ahead of yourself, sign up for the self-love club. If you go to the website, there's a pop-up that comes up and then also you can scroll to the bottom of the website and sign up to join it. I would love to have you join it. Okay, so back to the good stuff and why you're here. The episode today, trauma, all the things trauma. So today I have my friends and former coworkers, Tara Booker and Hannah Owen, on to talk about trauma and how it shows up, how we work with it, what's really going on in the brain, all of the things. They are awesome. We worked together 
at a treatment center back in the beginning of my, I guess, career, you would call it, at a really at a place that you've heard of if you're a longtime listener, which can you be a longtime listener if the podcast has only been around for a year? I think so. But if you've listened to multiple episodes, you've probably heard me talk about my work at a treatment center before. I've had other colleagues come on that have worked with me there, and Tara and Hannah were both therapists there. So they come and talk about trauma with me. Now, they also are still working as therapists, not in that same place, but lucky for you guys, they have their own trauma group. And we talk about that at the end of the episode. We actually talk about group therapy and the importance of it. But if you find anything that they're saying interesting or if you just want to do some more research on if their stuff would be for you, you can find them on Instagram at Pearls of Recovery. And then you can find more online about them at pearlsofrecovery.com. And if you just want to skip all of that and you're like, I'm sold, these people sound amazing and like they can help me, you can email them pearlsofrecovery at gmail.com. They are awesome. Hannah and Tara, I'm so grateful for you coming on and spending some time with me. And hopefully we'll have you guys back again to talk about more deeper things. So thank you. And I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. I will see you on Wednesday for Couch Talks. Hi, everybody. I am here with two former, what did we call each other? Former and co-workers colleagues. Now we're colleagues. Tara and Hannah, and we are going to be talking about all things trauma today, which is really exciting. Brace yourselves. This probably is an episode that you might want to make sure you're grounded in if you are working through stuff on your own. We'll get more into that as it comes up. But before we get started, these are two therapists, FYI, and really good therapists. And they work with trauma, highly acute trauma at times, in all different facets of life. And so before we get started, I want them, because I get this question all the time, what made you want to become a therapist? Also, when did you know that you wanted to do that or do this? Hannah's going first. Uh, Yes, I'll go first. I think I knew in high school because I had my own mental health struggles Mm -hmm. and went to a therapist starting at the age of 16. And I was always the friend that was like a good listener. And I became passionate about mental health and helping people with that. And then my dad also had some mental health issues. So I sat in the seat of, you know, client who's working through stuff and then family member of someone who's working through stuff. And I wanted to kind of occupy the other seat and help people through that in those different seats. So you knew. I knew. I fought it because it seemed too hard. Really? For all of college. I fought it. I always wondered because I never thought it was like gonna I never thought I was gonna be therapist. But I was like, how do you learn how to say things to people? Like, how did they teach you what to say back? Well, they don't teach that. But in my head, I was like, I could never do that because I wouldn't know how to learn how to talk to people. (laughs) Anyway, so that's cool that you already knew. Did you, Tara, did you know? No. Okay. I had uh, no idea what I wanted to be at all when I grew up, really. I just Mm -hmm. like went to college, did intro classes, Mm -hmm. and was like, something will arrive in my brain. Did you have a major when you went? No. I was undecided for my first two years. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. And then we're like, I'm just going to try this? I landed in a social works ethics course or like a cultural diversity course or something and really enjoyed like the topic and the conversation and just kind of like the 
sociology aspects mm-hmm. of things and then said I'll take more social work courses I'll do intro to social work and so then I really was like I like the idea of helping people uh, it sounds like, so nice <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like getting my like hands dirty feet yeah. on the ground like that kind of mentality about um, social work that was really appealing to me much later looking back mm-hmm. I could see a lot of setup in my life for mm-hmm. the ability to yeah. show up for struggle and trauma and having a you know faced it in my world as a kid in a lot of different ways and that I was always like pretty apt at Mm -hmm. just like handling and like supporting and all those things that I was always really steady in a lot of those spaces especially for other people so I could see that looking back but Mm -hmm. I did not put that together until much later and uh, after just kind of like doing Mm -hmm. social work stuff in undergrad and doing internships and I knew I wanted to work with adults Mm -hmm. I learned I like to work in addictions and and then that just kind of led me in the social work realm you can kind of try on a lot of different hats and you don't necessarily have to be a therapist but that's where I felt the most myself and what I enjoyed the most was kind of getting into the nitty-gritty with people yeah Uh, okay so you have a social work degree so you're life both of you we're both LCSWs okay so Mm -hmm. two licensed clinical social workers yeah so you could have done a lot of different things you guys I would say are experts in trauma what in the world brought you into that I didn't go to school being like I'm gonna work with trauma this is kind of like Mm. truth that you just have to (laughs) if you're gonna work in mental health and we'll get into why that is but what did you do before you came to the place we all work together which was like a highly acute trauma program I was in an addictions um, like six months transitional recovery program in like all my undergrad experience was in that in Nashville and loved that. These were women coming out of incarceration, coming out of homelessness, struggling mm-hmm. with long-term addiction. Bam, trauma. Yeah. You know, like you, there it is. Yeah. Uh, so exposure really quick to the levels of just kind of uh, suffering in, in, mm-hmm. in some disenfranchised populations was really obvious. I think social work has a way of exposing that a little bit more out front because you're, you're dealing with kind of the bottom, mm-hmm. the people who are often the most suffering in in really yeah. in resource world and social justice world. And so I do think it lends itself to that exposure really easily. And then I went to an acute psychiatric um, hospital for like my grad school. I did not know that. Internship uh, in Madison and uh, worked kind of in all the units. I mean, like acute psych, teens, primarily was in the co-occurring. So most yeah. people are there for detox and that kind of thing. So addiction was always kind of like where I spent most of my time in the beginning Um, but that exposed me to like a much broader mental health realm it's also like I can do anything now yeah that's exact (laughs) so I was like not afraid to go to the ranch yeah Yeah. I felt like uh yeah I had seen a whole whole lot and 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 trauma was all in the mix of that yeah how did you get in similar kind of backed into it in that I chose social work because there was a lot of different positions roles jobs that you could Mm -hmm. have and I initially thought I wanted to do more like advocacy education reducing stigma around mental health treatment and then realized I'm more cut out to be a clinician and then my first few years after grad school was like what jobs are available right so I got a job at a psychiatric hospital you both of you yeah (laughs) So psych, hospital, trauma all over the place. And then 
also needed a job, got a job at the residential treatment center where we met and feel like trauma and addictions found me more than I went out searching for it and then felt like it fit after working with it. Yeah, and I always say when people ask, and I'm assuming you guys would feel the same, that when people are looking when they're younger and just, or not even younger, but when they're getting into it and in school and looking for internships, I'm like, find the hardest one. Like find the one that scares you the most because I did my internship where we worked. I would get ill in the shed bathroom would like hide in there. And one of the therapists in the group who was in charge of the group that I ran would be like, okay, we're going to start group. And I'm like, I, I'm really not feeling well. I'm going to go home. It, being, it was anxiety, but I was so scared because I, one, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I mean, you never, it was a, you never knew what was going to happen that day kind of thing. And with that, I now haven't been in that world in a while, but eventually it's like, oh, what? I don't really care. Anything could happen. I know I can handle it. I might not handle it perfectly, but I know that I'll be able to figure it out because I haven't died yet from doing therapy. Okay, so since we're going to talk about trauma today, we're going to start out with defining what trauma is. And in other episodes, we've talked about that, but we're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. So from y'all's perspective, how do you define trauma? What does trauma mean? And then we'll kind of go from there. As simply as possibly to not convolute such a ginormous word, (laughs) I think I would say anything that feels really harmful and in particular harmful in the sense of it exposes or offers a threat to our sense of love and belonging and our sense of security and safety. And another word to think of is dysfunction. Like what in a particular moment, something can be extremely dysfunctional or for a long period of time or a set period of time, something can be really dysfunctional. And I think that to me is what encapsulates what is traumatizing to our body or our spirit or our mind or our emotional self is something that's harmful, something that's, you know, overly distressing to our system in any way. And then post-traumatic stress or unresolved trauma is just essentially that that didn't get the repair that it needed the release and the repair that it needed and we can go into that a little bit more specifically as we talk through this yeah none of this I want everybody that's listening to know that none of this is to say we're gonna make it so that every single one of you has deep-rooted trauma and everything that's happened to you is horrible that's not the goal I think the goal really is to give some insight into things that we in our head think shouldn't bother us or shouldn't affect us have affected us whether we think they should or shouldn't have and so I want the people listening to listen to this in a way that offers more like grace and maybe the things they're stuck in rather than causing you to have more pain or oh my life's more screwed up than I thought in the world that I grew up in the culture that I grew up in and I think that in America is a big part of overall culture is get over it or that happened 10 years ago or that happened a month ago I think even somebody asked me this week of when is this going to be over? Like, when am I going to be over this? I'm like, I have no idea. Like we don't, there's not a timeline for healing. And so when you say anything that's harmful, that isn't to say that everything is trauma, but at the same time, anything that's harmful is traumatic Mm -hmm. and can affect you. And if we act like it doesn't affect you, then it's just going to affect you more at some point, whether you realize it or not. I think the word is really challenging in a lot of ways. It's very nuanced, but I prefer to, to actually talk about diving into this part of someone 
someone's work as just woundedness like yeah. that's actually a word that I use I like that. much more frequently with people is like just your wounds your woundedness and everybody knows what that is mm-hmm. and everybody can identify like what hurt like what was is a wound that I carry mm-hmm. around and yeah have I given that attention yeah. you know and I think we use the word trauma clinically to validate wounds to give them attention and to acknowledge mm-hmm. that they need something they need tending to but that's a scary word yeah yeah so okay do you want to go and talk about little t and big t next because i think what you're saying is anything that's harmful people are like oh so like does that mean when i stub my toe because when i say trauma and i talk about trauma with people they think of like sexual assault or my house caught on fire when i was younger or something like that so yes those are traumas those are wounds but it's not all that it looks like and so hannah will you tell us the difference between big t and little t and why we even have those two things one thing that comes to mind in this conversation is you talked about our culture and just get over it what's the big deal and what i've found in working with a lot of people is that we're so resilient like we are just designed to survive and heal and just because we made it through something doesn't mean it didn't hurt Mm -hmm. so giving both like whoa i lived through that and it hurt Mm -hmm. so just because i survived it doesn't mean it wasn't harmful or impactful for me looking at little t and big t helps widen the view of what could have been harmful in my life so we all normally agree that surviving a natural disaster going to war even witnessing Mm -hmm. violence is something we would call trauma Mm -hmm. oh this person has trauma definitely those are things we'd normally call big t because they are very out of the ordinary life-altering events that 9.9 out of 10 people go into and come out impacted Mm -hmm. negatively. Unfortunately, that only captures some of what can be harmful in life. If you've Mm -hmm. ever been in a relationship and got your feelings hurt, if you've ever had difficulty at a job where you felt outsted because of whatever reason, the little T comes in and says, hey, there are some other kind of more daily or more seemingly benign experiences that can be harmful. I mean, even when you just said relationship, a lot of people wouldn't put like a breakup in a big T. It could be a big T, but it also losing a best friend that you've had can be and people are like I broke up with him three years ago I should be over it and it's like well there might be more to it definitely more to it I think loss and grief Mm -hmm. even to talk about that the loss of relationship the loss of a loved one although those are normal events that we all experience if there is some kind of hurt that doesn't get nurturing or attention or feels undone or left open, yeah. I think that's where you start to carry that woundedness that Tara yeah. was talking about. Well, I like that you said they're normal experiences. So I think that a lot of people are like, I don't have trauma because everybody goes through this. Or a lot of people have broken up with a boyfriend or a lot of people didn't have a mom at home every day after school to make them a snack. Well, they might be normal, but it doesn't mean it didn't affect you. Right, exactly. And I was listening to, I don't know what it was. I wish I could give it credit but I'm not going to take credit for this. But I was listening to a podcast that was talking about resilience and where it comes from and the fact that, wait, I might have even said this. <laughs> credit I was listening to, to myself. Oh, 
<laughs> oh my god okay this is embarrassing okay so i was i guess talking about this with somebody at some point but talking about how like we only build resilience by going through trauma so we all have to experience trauma if our nervous system never has to turn on then it doesn't ever learn how to work so i think also if anybody's listening to this and like oh my gosh i've had trauma or i don't want to acknowledge trauma no it's actually part of life that we need we just also need to nurture the part that wasn't nurtured i would just add one thing to it that okay. i think can be helpful between big t and little t yeah. is just something that i say to clients all the time everything is on a spectrum in life yeah and that's what big versus little is about sometimes is mm-hmm. is giving like allowing yourself to look at your experiences mm-hmm. on a spectrum yeah. and you only have your spectrum yeah also like if you've never experienced being physically assaulted Mm -hmm. or if you've never experienced being discriminated for the color of your skin then like you can't actually rate your pain on that scale you can't compare yourself to that person your brain and your body actually won't be able to grasp that so your scale is your scale and there is kind of from zero to 10 or zero to 100 Mm -hmm. a difference between a certain experience that was really hurtful and really maybe shook my self-esteem in a certain way um, or made me doubt myself when you know all the kids didn't pick me to be on their team and mm-hmm. in school it, that may be a little tea because yeah. it only happened one time but I remember it and it really like I made sure that I was really performative in other areas to not feel that again or versus bigger teas which may just be further down on the spectrum where my boyfriend told me that I was a worthless piece of crap Mm. and left me at prom like Mm. that's going to be higher on the scale right and so I think just the spectrum allows for things to have a different level of Mm. impact but it doesn't mean they did they didn't have any or it's any less important or less validated Mm -hmm. and I tell people a lot the worst when people are talking about like it's not that big of a deal because these people are experiencing this I'm like well your body cannot actually compute that Mm -hmm. like your brain isn't like oh you can't feel this turn it off and so your pain is always going to be the worst pain there is because you're the one feeling it Mm -hmm. and that is a for some reason it's a weird concept to be able to register Mm -hmm. in people's brains and bodies so now that we have this defined I do want to talk about how our bodies one again we're resilient yes our bodies will carry us through stuff and do things and create things it's where addiction comes in we've talked about that a lot on the podcast but can we talk about like how the body in trauma especially in these bigger t trauma events will actually like push some of those experiences away from your memory i'm not a neuroscientist or neurobiologist (laughs) however this is how i best understand in moments of trauma whether that is what we've talked about a normal experience that is harmful or something that's bigger what happens is that our left brain which is the logic reason Mm -hmm. memory sequencing all that goes offline Mm -hmm. because we don't need it to get through that moment our right brain which holds our emotions Mm -hmm. what's going on in our body and our nervous system and the part of our nervous system that activates us for survival into fight flight or freeze Mm -hmm. that part of our brain in the moment of trauma is completely overwhelmed and is like sirens going 
on off and gets you through that moment. So if you have that experience, that's one way to explain why you might not have a conscious memory of this happened, then that happened, and I felt sad, and then I was scared, and then I ran. You may feel a lot, either emotionally Mm -hmm. or in your body or both, fear or danger when you get in maybe a similar circumstance Mm -hmm. because your body remembers and your emotions remember. But if your left brain was offline, you Mm -hmm. don't have a story for it. And that's where, for me, there can be a disconnect. And that's why a lot of times people, I always use fear to describe this, but people will be like, I'm scared I'm going to die in an event that's not life-threatening because your body remembers, I know what fear feels like, and I thought I was gonna die when I was scared. So now every time I feel fear, my body panics. Even when logically you can be like, well, this isn't life-threatening. Panic attacks, all that stuff. Okay, so what do you do with that? Like if you have a client that, or if you're working with somebody and they are responding to events as life-threatening or they end up having to shut down, their their nervous system goes into freeze and they shut down in events that really aren't that life-threatening but are scary, how do you approach that with somebody? One of the first things I was thinking is like, whatever you, I'll say this to clients, whatever you have is enough. If your body is giving us cues, if you have emotional, if you have thoughts, if you have a memory, if you don't, if you have a trigger that you can, it's enough for us to follow it. Mm-hmm. Um, like it'll take us wherever we need to go. We don't. You don't always have to have the whole story. You don't, no, you don't need that in order to heal, and mm-hmm. you don't need that in order to to get what you need and to dive mm-hmm. into the work either. So just trusting that is a really powerful tool. Mm-hmm. I think in the presence of people and with and teaching them that too. So if they don't quite understand, like, why am I reacting so strongly to something? I mean, a lot of it, uh, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is going to be real exploration. You know, when are some of the first times in your life that you remember feeling this particular way? A good classic uh, therapist question, how old do you feel Mm -hmm. when that? We've talked about that before. Yeah. Uh, And that gives us some range, even if you don't remember what specifically happened at, I'm feeling like I'm 10 years old, but Mm -hmm. I I don't know why I feel like I'm ten- I don't remember a thing mm-hmm. that it's okay we can start with what we have um, because if you feel like you were 10 years old and you don't know what was going on at 10 years old that's setting off this alarm in you yeah. we can still really offer nurturing and response mm-hmm. but we need to respond to it as a, we're responding to a 10 year old right so yeah. it gives us an end we at least start to walk down the pathway yeah. to meeting the actual need I think that's helpful for people to hear that you don't always have to have the whole story in order Mm -hmm. to find healing because sometimes you don't ever get the full story Mm -hmm. and we don't even know that we don't have the full Mm -hmm. story and that will drive us crazy but one thing that I know is helpful is going through and you have to do this in spaces that you feel safe in but going through events and moments and experiences where you feel that feeling but you have a different experience Mm -hmm. of like I can feel fear and actually have a good experience which is where a lot of experiential stuff comes in Mm -hmm. so okay let's talk about impact of trauma okay tell us how trauma can impact people differently even if it's the same event like okay well I went through this thing and my friend's fine and I feel crazy why might that be there are factors about even how I'm wired, what my mm-hmm. personality is, that 
sets me up to be impacted differently than Tara is impacted. We could sit through the same, you know, lecture and have different mm-hmm. reactions. We can be in a similar relationship with another friend and have different experiences with that person because of kind of how we're wired, our DNA, our personality, our own attachment. Yes. Mm-hmm. How we learned how to navigate the world in mm-hmm. relationships. Um, if we learn different things about that, then we will respond differently mm-hmm. to the very same circumstance. I come back to that spectrum thing so that even if we responding differently and the impact is different it still hurts you know Mm -hmm. one person to the next yes and I think that it's not one event that creates somebody's trajectory of their life of how they deal with something it's every event that led up to that one event and Mm -hmm. then you figure out what to do based on everything that's led up to that and so that's why there's not like this is how you deal with this kind of trauma this is how you deal with this kind of trauma there's not a one-size-fits-all for healing so a lot of these questions that i'm asking you are super hard to answer because there's a general consensus of this is how we treat that kind of thing and you have to pivot a lot when you're working with clients yeah i mean i'm just thinking about exposure like what Mm -hmm has your exposure in life been both for struggle and for strength Mm -hmm. for support and nurturing and Mm -hmm. for suffering and and that actually can differ in the same home with siblings right so like i we may have had the same shitty dad i don't know if we can you can say whatever you want Um, (laughs) (laughs) um and for some reason, you know, my brother has is way less, you know, walking. It doesn't have anxiety mm-hmm. when he like tries to go, show up for jobs and do certain tasks. But I have debilitating mm-hmm. anxiety from this. And there, his exposure and experience when he goes to school is in friend groups. Mm-hmm. Even his interactions with the dad mm-hmm. may have been very different than yeah. mine in all those different categories. Maybe my, his relationship with our other caretaker was different Mm -hmm. than mine was and maybe there's another sibling that they had a strong Mm -hmm. alliance with so there are so many specific factors that go into the difference of how do I cope with something versus how someone else does and then there's also a really important thing to say that like just because they look like they're fine yeah, right <laughs> also doesn't mean that they are right <laughs> so right. that's a good thing to remember yeah and we talked about family roles and I love that you said that because we survive differently even on our family system that's why we have those different roles so somebody who takes on the scapegoat role has the same mom and dad or whoever is raising them than somebody who is taking on the placator role neither of them might not be fine it doesn't mean the placator is more fine than the scapegoat the scapegoat yeah. honestly might be more fine <laughs> they're, they're like getting some of that up. out they're yeah. getting some stuff out at least <laughs> um okay so let's talk about um how we survive our stuff so and i want to talk about this through the lens of a little t trauma and, or maybe more than one and then also big t traumas so what do we do to get through well, should we start with big well how should we do this i don't see them very distinguished oh so okay. Well, then let's say, okay, we could put them together. Okay, let's talk about how you survive the events Mm -hmm. and then how you survive living your life after. I don't really even know how to ask that question. I just want to talk about it. Just start talking about survival. I'm just going to start talking. So, you know, I think with all kinds of trauma, there is probably a moment or two of the most intense fear or harm or impact, even if it happens over and over. And so I think in that moment, our bodies do it for us, where usually we pick, we have a default of either fight or flight or freeze. So I'm going to fight to get out of this intense moment where I feel threatened. I'm going to run away or I'm going to shut down and play dead. 
dead um, and our body decides what's most effective in that moment we don't think about it it just happens so that's do you know what initiates somebody's choice in that i'm a very freezy person i'm the most freeze freezer if i am being chased by somebody trying to do something harmful to me i will just be like take me i don't know i wonder about dna and genes So Tara just said epigenetics and nobody listening to this knows what that is. Epigenetics is is also what I was thinking about and what sets us up for how we experience yeah. trauma. What is it? But it's just the fact that we carry down generational um, experiences mm-hmm. just like we carry down generational medical, you know, mm-hmm. bodily things like high blood pressure and all mm-hmm. that jazz. And so we carry down body responses to stress essentially or Mm -hmm. lack thereof and so if few generations before me their best survival mechanism when there was a really dangerous you know situation of violence or people shooting around the way that i best survived that my great-grandparent was to just stay in the house shut my door be really quiet lay on the floor until it's over Mm -hmm. freeze then generations down science has shown us that if there's a similar triggering event generations down that can turn on that survival response of freezing if there's violence if there's Mm -hmm. a threat to my safety then i'm just going to be really quiet get really still and not make a wave in this situation to survive it yeah that's epigenetics and a very layman's simple way of yeah that's helpful yeah it's it's better to talk about these things in simple terms because Mm -hmm. it allows us to understand Mm -hmm. it (laughs) hey guys cat here and i have something very important to talk to you guys about now i know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life but if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick or you just need a little extra boost i think I've found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be Cozy Earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas. It feels like you are stepping into a buttery, cozy, warm, and cool hug all at the same time. And that's just their pajamas. Don't even get me started on their sheets. As soon as I touched them, I said, okay, we're changing the sheets right now. And the bonus is they come in this really cute travel tote so you can take your sheets with you wherever you go. Elevate your summer getaway with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding and loungewear, ensuring the comfort of home wherever you roam. We're all in luck because you can discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code UNEED at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you Unique Therapy after you check out. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so do you guys think there's a best response? Whatever one keeps you alive. I don't think that mine would always be the best response. Well, if it yeah, kept you alive, oh, here, here you are. I am. So okay. Yeah, I thank disagree. you. Oh, thank I'm gonna you. I'm going to validate your body's <laughs> survival. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I needed that. Okay. So you survive it in the moment through that. And I think that people think fight, flight, or freeze comes on in big events. We're always, that's always happening. Mm-hmm. So how might that show up in a smaller a more emotional wound. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking like of about really basic ways of mm-hmm. looking at fight, flight, and freeze too, because I think all of our all the survival mechanisms, defense behaviors would probably fall into those categories if yeah. we pick them apart, you know. And so, if there's just a general like, you know, my parents had a year of fighting every single night before they got divorced, and so I was in the house feeling like things are oh my gosh, you know, my world is falling apart. This is the way that I understand security is these two humans functioning together and living in this home and so that's threatened and I'm, I'm worried about who everyone's going to be okay if mm-hmm. they aren't able to stay in this particular unit that I understand safety and security in and so my fight in that might be running in and saying you guys need to stop fighting somebody might even teenager might intervene yeah. you know I'm so sick of it and have some kind of their own aggression and their own anger that they're expressing or they may fight <laughs> their actual fight at school yeah. And, oh yeah you know or their siblings and just releasing aggression another way which can also create a diversion and maybe if they pay attention to this they won't be mad at each other or flight which is i'm not going home anymore Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go hang out with my friends i'm gonna find after school activities i'm just gonna like be other places as much as i possibly can or just lost childing is a as a great flight Mm -hmm. kind of just like being lost in your own room Mm -hmm. Um, and I can at least feel like I'm somewhere else. Dissociation is a great flight Mm -hmm. and freeze kind of Mm -hmm. response. I'm out of my body. I'm not feeling and experiencing things and freeze is just, you know, I think it can look like reading a book, getting lost in TV or social media or, and just really it's the shutdown Mm -hmm. from kind of neck down Mm -hmm. that I'm just kind of going offline as much as I possibly can. Food addictions and all Mm -hmm. kinds of stuff can really get us into freeze what's going on Mm -hmm. in our dorsal Mm -hmm. vagal system okay they don't know what dorsal vagal is (laughs) you use a word again you have to explain it (laughs) uh dorsal vagal is like the our ventral vagal nerve runs through it's like the longest nerve in our autonomic nervous system Uh, which they if you are a listener i've talked about mm -hmm. this in the trauma and your body and how Mm -hmm. they're connected episodes so go back and listen to that but let's i love this so let's talk about the the vagus nerve and i think that also determines like how your body is naturally if it's dropping down it has like three different levels and i'm not going to remember all of them that's okay uh there's ventral vagal which i think keeps some activation going which means you may be able to access or the one right below that central vagal something else and then dorsal vagal and i can't remember the one in the middle but what is dorsal vagal dorsal vagal is freeze that's like when you're in rest and digest Mm -hmm. um and those kinds of things naturally but your body can do that in response to fear going off in your amygdala and so it can just be like oh we can't do anything about this let's just Mm -hmm. you know shut down play dead essentially is what animals the vagus nerve is something that is in your brain 
and it connects to your body. Mm -hmm. So it's connecting the experiences and thoughts mm -hmm. and emotions to your body's organs. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's like you can't disconnect mm -hmm. those two things. Therapy involves feeling in your body and, and feeling and thinking in your head. You can't disconnect them because they're always connected. Mm -hmm. So what about like how do we survive and what shows up after mm -hmm. the trauma has it's happened we're moving we're back in life what happens now how do we keep surviving outside of that knowing that this thing happened that kind of like wrecked and messed with part of our our own process of being human for me to boil it down to what we're after as humans as living mm -hmm. humans which comes from another colleague of all three of us um, that we respect but that we need two things love and security and in the moment of trauma, both are threatened in some way, usually. Mm -hmm. And then what gives the lasting impact, as we've said, is that we don't get that repaired. We don't come back and say, ooh, you needed to feel safe. You didn't let me help you feel safe yeah. right now. And so our surviving, whether it's a big single event or an ongoing scary thing, is a constant reach for one of those two things or both and we can do that in so many mm -hmm. ways so if my parents are very critical and I don't feel the kind of acceptance that I need as a human I may look to my peers mm -hmm. and develop maybe a really big people pleasing behavior mm -hmm. because I really need love and acceptance I'm not getting it over here so I'll find another place to get it and another way to get it I'm thinking about perfectionism too mm -hmm. I might become like a straight A student and mm -hmm. everything I I know that I'm good at this and I'll always have this to fall back on or the star athlete or something like that, which can be super helpful in your life and super not helpful. That's what happens with survival behaviors yeah. is that they do help us survive. And often we come to a point where they're now hurting us. Mm -hmm. So we got to negotiate something mm -hmm. different. Why is addiction and trauma connected? Why are they connected? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I assume we're maybe talking about both substance and process addiction. Any kind of addiction. Which I've never in my life yeah. met somebody that struggles with some kind yeah. of addiction who doesn't have some kind of trauma. Yeah. So when we say substance and process addictions that we're talking about, drugs and alcohol, food, sex, mm -hmm. porn, work, TV, mm -hmm. all gambling. Those are all behaviors the and chemicals. Yes. All of it. Why they are often... T paired together is they if we're looking for a sense of love and security and our body is under stress and threats to that those are great immediate solutions mm -hmm. um they're immediate soothers every single one of those are an immediate soother to fear mm -hmm. and pain they either numb it for mm -hmm. a little while distract us from it mm -hmm. for a little while or if there's a sense like of of an emptiness in mm -hmm. missing something they fill it up a little bit and so they're great temporary fixes and our body is looking for relief from stress that's its natural way of processing and healing itself if i'm in pain i need to fix it mm -hmm. that's just what the body does that's its job mm -hmm. um we have all these other parts to help our brain and our emotional self to help slow that down and learn to tolerate pain and learn to respond to it mm -hmm. or wait for it to pass or to know that it's going to be okay but our body is just going to react mm -hmm. and it, it's going to reach for the the nearest fastest way of yeah. giving us relief and i think that's why it gives the idea that addiction isn't like a bad people problem anybody who struggles with addiction which if you really are honest with yourself 
We all have some kind uh-huh. of something. And so those people that are struggling with that, whether it's a chemical that is really loud mm-hmm. or a process addiction that actually looks really great to the outside world, mm-hmm. like work, neither of those people are bad. It's actually a very resilient way to move through something. Yeah, it was likely the best choice they had. Yeah. And what Hannah said is then it stops working, essentially. Mm-hmm. It ends up causing us harm. Mm-hmm in the end and so then what do you what do you do with that i mean as therapists a lot of what we're gonna do is is figure out what is an actual nurturer to your needs Mm -hmm. so if you're actually afraid and threatened then like how can we effectively and supportively and safely give your body and your spirit and your emotional self what it actually needs and so figuring out what that is for each person um, becomes a big part Mm -hmm. of their healing journey you know i really needed friends that i I could tell what was going on instead of having to hold this and feeling like I couldn't contain it in my body. So I'd go do whatever um, to have relief. I needed people who I could trust, who I felt safe. I needed to learn how to do that. So finding out what is, what are the things that were missing? Um, I needed to be able to release the emotion that I was feeling. You know, I was angry and it was valid anger and I had to hold it because there was no safe place for me to put it. It wasn't okay to talk about that. And so I need a felt experience of saying, like I can cry and getting to do that. I can scream and getting to do that. Mm-hmm. And that can be as small as in our sessions, right? In our offices mm-hmm. or taking it out into just like a regular practice in your life with mm-hmm. people. So yeah, give, you know, it's a sort of replacing. Mm-hmm. I don't like the word because we're not replacing it mm-hmm. with an unhealthy thing or with an addiction. We're yeah. just actually offering it a true source of what it needs. You're not just coping anymore. You're actually healing the wound. And a lot of our wounds are needed to be healed with humans because they usually are created with humans. Yes. I think I just want to reiterate that both healing trauma and living a healthy life, if mm-hmm. I, I'm put, putting quotes around that, is becoming aware of my needs and responding to them mm-hmm. and doing that over and over and over. Yeah. It's not a one time. You do it once. Okay. That's why when you go to treatment, a lot of times it's like you have to keep doing that for a very long time. You can't just go somewhere for 30 days and then all of a sudden your whole brain is fixed. Right. And your body and all the things. It's like you have to keep doing that forever and ever until it becomes natural and your go-to. Yeah. And for some people that feels like work and it feels like can't this just be over this whole, you know, addressing myself or taking care of myself. And I think what is helpful to me personally and in my work with clients is like, this is the most loving thing I could ever offer to myself is to know my needs and consistently respond to them Mm -hmm. in a nurturing way. It's a beautiful way to live a life. I think I love that. I hear so often, why can't this be over? I want this to be over. When is this going to be enough? And to reframe that in a way of like, what you're doing is being kind to yourself and caring for yourself. You don't ever want that to be over. Right. Something I that we were talking about in preparation for this with, that felt like something people don't always know or understand about healing from trauma is the difference between like conscious and unconscious okay. repair and healing, Yeah, which like people a lot of times are like, I had a shitty trauma childhood whatever relationship and look at me I'm so successful now I have a really loving husband I have great kids I feel like 
totally equipped as a mom. I have a successful career. I'm okay. You know, and, and so I think what tends to happen with those folks is something will still be kind of lingering around in some way, mm-hmm. right? Like they'll feel, they'll, they'll still have a lot of insecurities about certain things mm-hmm. or about their body or about, or they'll care, they'll have a really high anxiety in certain situations, but they've just learned. And so I think that is a misconception that mm-hmm. like, I'm doing okay. I've not repeated the trauma, right? I haven't stayed in dysfunctional living. I'm not an addict. I'm not, I don't have all these stuff. And I think something that we find where things linger is that that's really great. (laughs) And you've got a lot of good resources now to actually like really enhance your healing from that point forward. But often what that is, is I've given myself an unconscious kind of shift out of dysfunction into function mm-hmm. which is like I just you know happened to find myself with a, a loving husband versus a one that was like my dad in that the unconscious part of that is there may be still other areas and I don't understand why still whatever I'm not with that person I'm not repeating those I don't get it so conscious repair of that just means that I'm really connecting the dots of my past to my present and a lot of times we're not directly connecting like I was here it was was really painful Uh these were all the things I didn't get that I needed and look at me I'm gonna go and give myself those things today Mm -hmm. and just really like completing the narrative where there's a thread all the way through that you're aware Mm -hmm. that things were missing and Mm -hmm. that you're then responding with something different and more nurturing Mm Just connecting that dot often, big deal. It, it shifts your your body is now caught up with it rather than you just doing it on an intellectual level. Yeah, and that's even like creating reframes in the voices we hear and the lens we look through. And so I think a lot of times it's I'm confused how I got here and I have this loving husband, mm-hmm. and so that's or why I don't deserve it. Yes, and so that's why you <laughs> why have. Why do to, I feel that I yeah. don't deserve it? So you have to go back, and that's why we do a lot of timelines in the work that mm-hmm. we do because we have to go well. What okay your thought pattern is I don't deserve it I'm not good enough there's something wrong with me Mm -hmm. let's go figure out where that came from Mm -hmm. who said that is it your voice or somebody else's and let's actually create truth in that today like we have to create new messages so we have a new lens to look through and that's the power of a lot of people's therapy it's like well there's nothing really wrong with my life so I don't need to go to therapy I have a great work life I have a great husband but I feel like crap about myself but it's just because there's something like you know inherently flawed about my thought process like no there's not it's because you were taught that message back in the day and we got to go figure out that that's not true I think that is important to know that gives a lot of power in the people that look like they have their lives together and don't I'm using air quotes but deserve or need to go to therapy might need to go to therapy because a lot of it's the inner work that we're doing it's not changing what your life necessarily always looks like on the outside yeah that's what it feels like on the inside you've offered the love and security that you need to to your current self but have you ever actually offered it to the you who didn't get it you know to the wounded you who experienced the lack let's talk about group therapy and why that because we talk about one-on-one individual therapy all day long on this podcast and I think there's a lot of power in working with a group of people so let's talk about that and how that comes into play with you guys and what you do and trauma in general I'm thinking about 
you know, if you could figure it out or heal by yourself all inside your own head, then you would. And then that doesn't work. So you go see an individual therapist. And now you have another person in the room who can offer some safety and some security and acceptance and another body and brain to work through it. And think about then if you got five other bodies, brains, hearts in the room to offer you a sense of support and trust while you're looking and walking through maybe some of the most painful parts of your life. That is a way to heal Mm -hmm. because now we have what we need, love and security, and now we can feel the pain and offer it something Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. in that context. I like that because a lot of people are like, I'm sure you hear this of why pay you to do this? You wouldn't still be in my life if I didn't keep paying you. And it's like, well, you're not paying those group members anything. They're actually paying to be there. Right. There's still something where there's an unequal dynamic between therapist and client of like, there's this professional relationship. Mm -hmm. You are paying me. I'm offering you, you know, a service and response. So it's not just completely this pure, I'm just saying this to you or listening to you just Mm -hmm. because I am a decent human being. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you get that from group members. Mm -hmm. People experience that in 12 step spaces all the time, Mm -hmm. which is just like, we're just a couple of humans Mm -hmm with no other labels on us Mm -hmm. besides you're just a human and I'm just a human and you're listening to me or you're validating me Mm -hmm. or you're saying me too and you don't have to do any of those things so wow what a pure sort of gift of love and security that I get to actually absorb which is what we hope for in most of our wounding situations is our families Mm -hmm. to just love us just because right or whoever it Mm -hmm. is not because they have to but because they choose to and that's so validating And not to feel isolated in what happened Mm -hmm. to you or what you went through. Your therapist isn't always, sometimes we do when it's appropriate, but we're usually not going to go to the details of our stuff. Mm -hmm. And in a group, you get to hear the details of other people's stuff that they wouldn't tell you that on the street. And so you assume that you're the only one that feels this way or has gone through this. And it is really cool to be able to realize that you're not. In the beginning, we talked about experiences and how you need new experiences. Mm -hmm. Well, you can do experiential therapy one-on-one totally. And it's a different ballgame when you're in a group. So what is experiential therapy? Because I don't even think we've really talked about that. What? (laughs) In a nutshell, you don't have to give like a... In a nutshell, well referencing what I said before about the left brain and the right brain and how in harmful or traumatic experiences our left brain goes offline and our right brain is overwhelmed and kind of does the work of surviving the moment for us traditional talk therapy primarily works with the left brain which is not where our feelings and our body sensations kind of live and so experiential therapy is a whole umbrella of a lot of different methods that get the right brain online Mm -hmm. you get your feelings online get your body on line and then with that in the context of a group lets you have a different experience with your whole self online Mm -hmm. so that you can really absorb it and metabolize it one thing that Tara says often is that experiential therapy makes what is unconscious or or not quite in my awareness it can bring it to my consciousness Mm -hmm. so that I can work with it feelings Ah, like it's such an abstract, (laughs) intangible, floating in the air sort of thing. And people often think of experiential therapy as as an abstract modality, but it actually makes things so much more real and tangible. What are examples of how you might do that in a group? Like what does experiential therapy look like in a group? So you might 
be a range of, of, of doing something experiential just together. So like a shared body exercise or a shared groaning or a share like or just like what's vocalized or body expression of this particular thing and everybody kind of gets to do that weird thing together or something as uh, like obvious or more specific as a psychodrama which is kind of basically reenactment which also can sound really scary but there are a lot of scales of what that can look like it can it can be a little more abstract if you need it to be we're not going to have people like hitting people if that's what happened to you so it's just kind of like bringing into real life whatever trauma you experienced in as as safe of a way as 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 we can psychodrama is one of the coolest things i've ever been a part of ever and i remember learning like learning how to do it and i was so terrified i was like what Uh do i do what like what do i say and the the cool thing is we don't really have to do that much because the you the client the human like actually figures it out and we kind of guide you but the cool thing about that for people who are like i still don't get what psychodrama is it's also a way to reenact in a safe a safe way and allowing that part of you that feels like you're 12 or or 15 or 37 or whenever that event happens to go back and speak up for yourself and give that version of you what you needed because nobody else in that event gave it to you it's i'm getting chills it's so cool Mm -hmm. and you can't do that with just your therapist and you in a session yeah to really elicit the actual response Mm -hmm. of nurturing that you Mm -hmm. needed and the release of whatever Mm -hmm. you needed to release and and to have another body that isn't just your therapist then come in and and potentially play a role that you didn't have show up for mm-hmm. you in that moment to love and care about you or to give you guidance or to stand up for you mm-hmm. whatever you know you get to have all these bodies and all these resources available to you mm-hmm. and you know I, what I do like to say a lot to clients especially is the body and our emotional self doesn't know the difference between then and now it's the reason why we continue to yeah. have these anxiety crazy responses which also means that the healing can be absorbed in the part of you that was then as if it's alive yeah, yeah. right there in that room today so people think how is it going to heal that part of me it's already done right we hear that a lot the trauma is um, alive in your body yes and like, so if we attune you in all the way into the part of you that was experiencing it and we get really get to give that part what you needed especially from someone who just like is there and like is like i will do this part role for mm-hmm, you yeah um and like just holds you or says f you to the person who hurt you or whatever then your body will absorb that and it changes it will change yeah. its makeup by getting to experience a, a new response. And if you're listening to this and you're like, what the hell is this voodoo? <laughs> like it is real. Yeah. It's really freaking real. And if you let it work, it will work. Mm-hmm. You got to believe in it. Mm-hmm. Tara and Hannah, both they're in Nashville, the Nashville area. So if you live in Nashville and you're like, I like these people, these people sound like they have something that I need and I want and I want to at least, or I want to just at least try. This is one of the ways that you can get in contact with them and actually get to work with them and not just hear them talk on the podcast. So what do you guys offer here? We offer an experiential group that is focused on trauma processing. So we feel so strongly about both addressing trauma 
trauma and doing that in a group setting that we've created a program to do that. So we're starting our next one in January. We're going to do that with women and do it as COVID safely as we can. It's in person. It's not virtual. It will be in person for so sure. So again, you have to be in this area to be able to attend it. Um, how do they contact you if they want to be in that group? We have an email. What is the email? Pearls of Recovery, which is kind of our group name, um, our program name, our business name, whatever the right words are for mm-hmm. that. Um, so Pearls of Recovery. So Pearls of Recovery dot com is our website which has all of our contact information on it pearls of recovery at gmail.com is our direct email address and instagram and instagram is pearls of recovery okay so i'll put all the all of that information will be in the notes so if you're like ah what they'll i'll put links in the notes and you guys can go click on it but if you are somebody who's resonating with the stuff and you feel stuck in your own healing process, I highly recommend you go at least check that out. They can at least contact you and get more information to see if it's something that can fit their budget or their schedule or their own needs. Highly recommend it. So females in Nashville. I would also just add that it's a, a set 10 week time frame, so it doesn't go on and on forever. And that, you know, I think can be sometimes a weird feeling about therapy is like, yeah. how do I know when I'm done? Mm-hmm. Do I have to do this forever? When am I healed? <laughs> And just because you finish the group doesn't mean you don't need to continue in some other way. But it is targeted and focused in a way that I think can feel more dirt. Like I know what I'm going to work on. Yeah. And we have it set up in, in such a way that you phase through to where you at least feel like you've moved to a different phase of, of your process and to yeah. close or at least to pause or do whatever you need to do at the end. So, okay. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming. I enjoyed this. I always love having other therapists on here because then I always get to learn stuff too. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.